This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Happy to have you here. A review of Celebrity Millennium this week. Also, staff writer Richard Sims stops by to check in with this week's Cruise News. Cruise Radio News, Monday through Friday. It's the three things you need to know at Cruise Radio News or on the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. All right. Richard Sims is here. Hello, Richard. Hey, Doug. So right after last week's show, Carnival Cruise Line announced they will not be setting up pierside testing to get your pre-cruise testing done. Can you elaborate on this? Yeah, you know, it's again, it goes back to what we've talked about before is that people really, really, really need to make sure they understand both what the protocols are before they get on the ship, what what the protocols are when they are, you know, getting ready to board when they're on the ship. And most importantly, testing, because you don't want to show up at the pier thinking that, you know, I'm going to get a pier side test and find out you're not because then you will not be getting on that ship. So what happened here was Carnival was talking about how they are now accepting the home tests, which you can get, you know, um, a link to on their page. And there's very specific types that they're using. And they have very specific instructions on what is acceptable and what's not. And in talking about that, they sort of said, well, we're also kind of looking at the idea of doing peer side testing. We don't want people to like count on that, but it's a possibility. And, you know, people got very excited about this, obviously, because that makes it so much simpler. And Carnival, having looked at the logistics of it and what it would mean to do this at, you know, all of the various home ports that they service and, uh, you know, presumably hundreds, if not thousands of people every week getting on the ship, they kind of looked at it and said, oh, yeah, this isn't feasible. We can't do this. So they have backtracked on that and said that that's no longer a possibility. There are, of course, other possibilities, you know, like, um, for example, Orlando Airport has a testing facility there. Um, But to me, sort of the best thing to do is to do the test at home so that you are 100% sure when you go to that pier, you have got what you need to get on that ship. And a Royal Caribbean deployment change for 2022. Right. Originally, Wonder of the Seas, which is um, coming up quickly, was going to do its inaugural season in Shanghai. But now, sort of because of the, 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 between the fact that Cruising in China is kind of shut down a little bit right now, and there's so many opportunities in the U.S. right now. So instead, they are going to be doing the inaugural sailings out of Port Everglades starting in March of 2022. And then in May of 2022, they will head over to Europe and do some like seven-night Western Mediterranean sailings. What's kind of interesting about this to me is, you know, whenever Royal Caribbean unleashes, uh, unleashes, releases a new ship, it's the biggest in the world. And here's the thing. It's not like it's some huge change. It's not like this ship is going to be 500 feet bigger than the last one. It's just a little bit bigger because they always want the new ship to not only be the the biggest in the world, but because it's new, they get a whole new round of publicity. You know, every mainstream media outlet latches onto the fact, here comes the world's biggest ship. And they're able to make it sound like, you know, this is some some huge Goliath. And while, of course, it is huge, um, it's not really that much bigger than the other ships. It's the fifth Oasis ship 
built for Royal Caribbean. Um, and the other ships before it were Symphony, Harmony, Allure, and Oasis, each of which, when it was released, was the biggest in the world. This is interesting. Looking ahead at the 2022 Alaska cruise season, it looks like they may not have to stop in Canada again if a certain bill is passed. Exactly. U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski, who has been a big proponent of all this, uh, is hoping to introduce a bill that will basically make what is now a temporary situation permanent. As of right now, they have gotten a waiver that says, in essence, ships do not have to stop in Canada on their way to Alaska. They don't have to fulfill that foreign requirement. And that's been kind of a big deal. Had they not gotten this waiver saying they could skip Canada, they would have lost the entire cruise season. As it is, they've lost most of it. So um, Murkowski's thought on this is we need to make sure this never happens again. We need to make sure that next year or the year after that, if Canada, for whatever reason, decides to close its borders, we in Alaska are not going to be economically devastated by that. So they're hoping that this will make the, uh, you know, the temporary wave waiver permanent. It's worth noting that people in Canada, there's a lot of people in Canada who aren't particularly thrilled with the fact that they are losing so much money because, you know, the ships can't go. Usually they go to like Vancouver, British Columbia to fulfill that requirement. And that's a lot of people who are not going there and are not spending their tourist dollars. So there are some people there who aren't particularly thrilled with how this is going either. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, if Murkowski does get this past and it does become, you know, go from a temporary situation to a permanent one, that could be quite an economic hit to, you know, Canada. Although I think that they probably still would like to stop there, maybe. I don't know. What do you think? Would they continue to stop there if they didn't have to just to have that extra port? Or well, would they rather spend that time in Alaska? Yeah, there's two ways of looking at it, though, right? I mean, one, the cruise lines can keep the guests on board. One more day, that's more onboard revenue spend for the line. But on the other side of that, Victoria and uh, Vancouver, both beautiful places. And talk about an economic hit when you have Vancouver in 2019 had over a million guests and Victoria had 800,000 people. So that's a massive economic hit. Even if you just take into account, you know, the, the, the port tax that is charged for, mm -hmm. you know, we always, when you get on a cruise, you always pay the port fees. That's basically the tax that is assessed by the city you're visiting. So take away that, not including any money that those passengers might spend when they get off the ship and, you know, go to lunch or go shopping or whatever. Yeah, yeah that's a that's a huge hit for that area to take. MSC Cruises first ship to home port from Port Canaveral is now in service. This is the MSC Divina. They set sail last Thursday for their first time out of Port Canaveral. It's also the first time that an MSC ship has ever sailed out of that port. MSC right now is the third largest cruise line in the world, I believe. And they are, you know, really trying to make inroads in America. They've been doing more sailings out of here. They've introduced new ships here. So this is kind of a big deal. For the next couple of months, Davina will be doing sort of a, a variety pack of three, four, and seven night sailings. But if you happen to be looking for something a little longer, they'll be doing a 10 night cruise again out of Port Canaveral in November. To me, what's kind of interesting here uh, is that when right before the industry shut down, like, you know, not too long before the whole industry shut down, 
MSC introduced their private island, MSC Marine Reserve. And at the time, you know, when you do something like that, it was a big reclamation project. They took this this area that was sort of, you know, basically a dump and turned it into this beautiful island. But some people kind of complained because the palm trees hadn't like necessarily had time to grow, stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see what does it look like now while we've all been, you know, dealing with the shutdown for a year and a half. Those trees have been growing. The island has been continuing to flourish as islands will. I'll be interested to see what it looks like now. I'm also very curious to see if they're going to build anything extra on that island. Last week when we did that review of Maravilla with Carter, he was saying that there was some construction over there. No confirmation yet, but uh, something is uh, being built over there. See, I'm going to go against that. I'm going to say that while they probably are building something very cool, it's not going to be like a water park or like, you know, like the stuff you see at Perfect Day at Coco Cay, that kind of thing. Because remember, MSC's big selling point with this has been that it's a marine reserve, that it's sort of like, you know, a place to go. And they're focused a little bit more on sort of the educational side than they are the recreational side. So I'll be interested. Maybe it's some kind of big science laboratory or something. I don't know. We'll see. Or they could make a slide that the pumps are powered by solar and make it a saltwater park. Make it a slide into a shark tank and see who survives. I'd be there for that. Do you remember back in December of 2008, there's a water park over in Nassau, Bahamas at the Atlantis, and it kind of goes through an aquarium, sort of, and a shark jumped out of the tank and made his way onto the slide. No one got hurt. He committed suicide, basically, but uh, yeah, that would be a hell of a ride. You're making that up. No, no, it really happened. Wow. Yeah, I was working in radio in the time. It was one of our morning show pieces. All right. I mean, I can't say that I've heard that, but if Doug Parker says it's true, there's one thing I know. It is true. And we'll close it out on a fun note. Our final talking point here. A beer company is ready for cruise ships to also return. You know, cruising, beer, two great tastes that taste great together. Now, I know that's supposed to be like peanut butter cups or whatever, but this is kind of a cool story. So the people at Heineken Um, have launched a program overseas, and they basically want to help bartenders figure out the best ways to serve customers in the age of social distancing. And so they're like teaching classes and they're offering, you know, basically support to the cruise lines. They're really throwing their support behind them and saying, we we know you're facing new health protocols. We know you're facing new challenges. We are offering programs that will help teach you these things. They're even like teaching the crew about different kinds of beer and the difference between their beers and their ciders and stuff like that. And this is very important for every bartender to know, whether they're on land or at sea, how to pour the perfect okay. draft beer. Listener question comes from Ann. Email your questions, Doug at cruiseradio.net. Question about at-home testing you were talking about last week. For the people who have decided to go this route, any feedback yet? I think as with anything that's in its early stages, we're hearing mixed stories. You know, you do hear about people who, for example, order the home test too close to their sale date. And, you know, they say that it's going to be there in, let's say, 72 hours. But what if it gets delayed? You know, uh, I'm a big believer that if you're going to go the home testing route, don't wait till the last minute to get it. Whether you're picking it up at CVS or Walgreens or whether you're having it sent to you, get it in advance. The ones that you can get now have an expiration date of, I believe it's December 15th, although there are sort of exceptions being made. And you again, this is another of those situations where you really want to make sure you understand what you're buying, what the expiration date is, what 
what the FDA rules are and what you need when you get to the pier. You also want to make sure you're getting one that is approved by whichever cruise line you're going on. So we have heard about stuff like that. There's also, you know, one of the reasons that it's good that the home tests that are approved are ones where you actually get online with somebody and they sort of monitor you doing it. That's important because if you get it, let's say you take the test and it comes back positive, maybe you did it wrong, you know? So if you have two tests there, you can do it again, take it again. It's also, you know, you have a person who is online while you're on the computer watching you do it so that they can make sure you don't screw it up because, you know, we ain't doctors. We're just trying to get on a cruise ship. So, yeah, I think most of the stories I've heard personally have been about shipping delays and people freaking out because they didn't get the test when they thought they would and they're sailing tomorrow. And the easiest way to avoid that, obviously, is to just leave yourself a buffer. 100% been talking with staff writer Richard Sims. Richard, thank you, buddy. Always glad to be here. Breaking news. As it happens, online and on demand at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out tripinsurance.com. You have questions. We have answers. Get the whole story on cruiseradio.net. Kirk just returned from a seven-night Alaska cruise aboard Celebrity Millennium. This is actually one of the very, actually the very first celebrity cruise ship to sail out of Seattle for Alaska in 2021, and he joins us on the line. Hey, Kirk. Hey, Doug. How you doing? Good, buddy. So a lot to talk about here, a lot to unpack, but I want to get some pre-cruise thoughts uh, before we jump into the ship itself. So uh, talk to us about some pre-cruise thoughts and going into this. What made you want to sail this first seven-night cruise to Alaska on Millennium? Well, actually, we just were really looking forward to taking another cruise, and Alaska had been on our radar for years and years as a destination and the the opportunity to take the time and when the sailing started up uh, coupled along with some great pricing from celebrity we just took advantage of the opportunity and booked it and thought we'd uh, be the guinea pig if you will and mm-hmm. uh, head up out to alaska so you make your way from minneapolis over to seattle where you went to board celebrity millennium how was the embarkation process at the actual pier itself and how different was it from your previous celebrity sailings so getting there and everything uh, associated with, you know, getting to Seattle and settled was the same as it always would have been. The embarkation on the pier, had we done what Celebrity had suggested, it would have been a lot better. And we kind of thought, well, if we show up a little early, uh, we'll probably be able to get on board like we always have been. And that was not the case. Um, it actually took quite a bit of time, I would say just over a half an hour. Uh, lineup to get into the building where they checked our 
vaccination cards and passports and all that stuff, Doug. And um, then from that point on, it was pretty much the same. They took us, you know, individually or with couples up to a, a boarding area where they, again, looked at our documentation, make sure we had done everything online that we needed to have done and brought us on board. But um, we could have easily have just paid attention to what celebrity said and showed up at the the time they had suggested. And it probably would have been a little smoother. And I think most people thought, oh, you know, we'll just get there a half hour early. And it kind of caused a log jam. It's really good to see the cruise line sticking to their guns with this saying, hey, show up when you're assigned. It is. And celebrity actually did a very good job of working the crowd and coming out and saying, hey, look, it's it's going to take some time. Sure. Take advantage of this clear blue skies in Seattle, mm-hmm. walk down the pier and enjoy some of the stuff and then come back at your time. Yeah. And at that point, we were getting close enough where we just we just stuck to our guns and stayed in line. But all in all, considering um, the first cruise out and things like that, it went really well. So you go to board Celebrity Millennium. What were your first impressions when you walked on board? Because I'm sure, you know, the crew was very happy to see you as you were probably happy to see the crew. Yeah, it's it's like you've heard before. You do almost get, there's no question, you don't, you get misty eyed. Um, there's this elation from a cruiser as myself and my wife that we we're just happy to be back on board, um, being able to enjoy vacationing the way we enjoy it. But to see the excitement of the entire crew uh, Captain Yana standing there greeting people. Uh, it was just fantastic. It was a, a great feeling and you just couldn't wait to get on board and let the week begin. It was exciting on all fronts. So you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book on Celebrity Millennium and what were your thoughts and were there any uh, different kind of protocols as far as like turn down service or was the remote in a plastic sleeve or anything like that? Nothing like that. It was very normal. We were offered an opportunity. I uh, forget what they called it, a eco-friendly turn down service where they just uh, basically service the room once a day. Um, we just kept with what we'd always been with before. The uh, room we booked was a veranda and then we apps. We actually did the move up option where we could bid on a room and we were able to get into their aqua class staterooms, which was really nice with something we had actually looked at ahead of time. And when the opportunity came to at least bid on the option, we thought, what the heck, let's try it. And we did win the bid, if you will. And we were upgraded uh, to the aqua class and those rooms are on deck nine or excuse me, deck 10. And um, we really enjoyed it. The only thing that really seemed different before we took sail was the the muster. And as you've heard, it was very easy. Watch the video on TV and then go down to our muster t- station, check in, get a little sticker on our CPAS card. And away we went. It, it maybe took 10 minutes total, Doug. What makes the like what's so different from just a regular balcony stateroom to an aqua class stateroom? So the the room itself is very much the same, if not identical, um, to a regular veranda class stateroom that you'd have on a lower deck. The options that we saw, you have exclusive access to the Blue Restaurant, and you also have access to their Persian Garden um, spa that they have uh, in the front of the ship. Uh, other than that, you know, they brought um, hors d'oeuvres in the afternoon. There was a bottle of champagne for sale away. Just little amenities along the way. Uh, We basically looked into it specifically for blue. We had always wanted to experience that restaurant uh, versus the main dining room on all of our celebrity sailings we've done in the past. And that was the reason we took a shot at moving up. And we're glad we did. Yeah. 
Very cool. Let's talk about dining on this seven-night cruise. We'll start in the Ocean View Cafe, which is Celebrity's Buffet. Uh, how was the buffet experience on this sailing, and uh, how was it handled against previous sailings you were on? So the buffet experience uh, for the times that we did eat up there, Doug, was fantastic. And par- part of that was that we were a reduced-capacity sailing. So you the crowds that are typically found in a, in the buffet area weren't there. Uh, what was most noticeably different was that the staff basically handed you everything from the silverware to the plates and they did all of the service, um, which was very nice. Quite honestly, I, I enjoyed that experience. Um, I got my hand slapped a couple of times because old habits are hard to break, you know, grabbed a plate or the mm-hmm. silverware when I probably shouldn't have. And, you know, they very politely reminded everybody that, uh, you know, what the, what the rules of the trip were and it it was fun it worked out well in the main dining room could you dine with other parties or did every party have to dine with the people they came on the cruise with well as far as the main dining room goes doug i this is the first sailing that we did not eat in the main dining room once uh we stuck specifically to blue uh their their restaurant for the aqua class it's a much smaller venue and uh we were able to order on a couple of occasions, some items that we saw the main dining room was offering uh, that we kind of had been looking forward to that weren't on the menu at Blue. The times I did look into the main dining room, it looked very much the same other than it was more spaced out than what you might usually see. Sure. Gotcha. So Blue was that good where you spent the whole... Well, I guess if you paid for the upgrade, you might as well eat there, right? Well, and what we really liked is is the tables were spaced out. We the the menu itself takes a little getting used to it's it's a it's a unique menu mm-hmm. uh the food items are a little a little more di- you know they're very different i guess but there were some times i might see a steak or something that i was used to in the main dining room and as i mentioned that you know we just asked would it be possible the service was what you would expect on celebrity uh in blue they had a the same staff every night they knew you by name right away and just catered to you hand and foot which was just wonderful yeah very cool. Did you eat any, um, like, did you have any specialty meals for lunch or dinner outside of Blue? Uh, we ate lunch in the in the Ocean View Cafe a couple of times. We were so busy on our excursions, Doug, that we didn't do a lot on board during the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blue, we would have breakfast there as well. Um, and they had very nice, healthy options for breakfast, which we really liked as we had big, as I say, big days out uh, doing things on shore. So we would load up there and and uh, head out. That's one thing myself included forget sometimes is how port intensive these Alaska itineraries are. You sure are. Yeah, and definitely. We kept very busy. How was the entertainment on board from the shows in the theater to the venues around the ship? What you would expect on a celebrity uh, sailing is you have like duets um, that'll play in the different venues around the ship. And that was very much the same, or there'd be the house band would play in different venues at different times. And again, the, the cruise itself felt very much the same other than the fact that there were far less people on board. As far as the main theater, there were social distancing taking place. They had sections of seats. So it'd be two, that you could sit in and then they'd have two that were blocked off. So they were spacing it. And again, the, the uh, performances are very much what you'd expect on a celebrity cruise. The, I don't want to say necessarily the Broadway type show, a comedian, um, 
they had a, a, a band that they had brought on board, Savannah Jack, I believe it was called. Um, again, very much the same as what you'd expect, although I believe it was one of the last C days. They did have more of a matinee available for uh, some of the people that maybe weren't able to get in during the week. I know Alaska can be chilly sometimes, even in the summertime. Were there any like beer tastings or any activities out by the pool? Actually, we had beautiful weather, okay. um, except the last sea day, we were completely fogged in. Outside of that, we had much more sunshine than I had ever anticipated. But with the reduced capacity, um, there were a couple of times where we took advantage for the first time on a sailing that I've ever even gotten in the hot tub on the pool deck. And it was great. We were, my wife and I were by ourselves. Nice. <laughs> and we, yeah, we really enjoyed it. They did um, still have entertainment and games and things like that out on the pool deck. I would say they probably did not do as many of them mm -hmm. as you'd have on like a Caribbean sailing, but they very much had the band out there a couple times and, you know, the cornhole games and things like that going on during the afternoon as well. But again, during the, the times where we were in port, we weren't on the boat. So we sure. don't really know what was going on those days. Gotcha. So let's talk about your ports of call, because it sounds like you had a pretty busy port schedule. So give us the port of call. Give us the highlight from that port and then go to the next one. Yeah. So our first our first port was Ketchikan. We had a sea day out outside of Seattle and we got up to Ketchikan and we were there uh, early in the morning. And um, that afternoon we had booked uh, a kayaking adventure. And we did not take advantage of what celebrity offerings were. It was actually the first time that I'd booked something outside of the cruise ship. We found one on online that we thought looked really good, and we took advantage of it. Uh, there were only two couples that uh, went on this excursion, and it was sea kayaking for the morning, and it was wonderful. We uh, had great seas. Uh, we had hoped to see some whales, did not, but we retreated to a, a super low tide, and the the fellow that was taking us around was a, a marine biologist and school teacher out of California and told us all about the creatures that we were able to see uh, and that they he can see rarely when a super low tide that they had, um, the different starfish and things like that. And uh, this was just a wonderful time. We kayaked for about three hours total, yeah. Yeah. and uh, they brought us back into port, and we spent the rest of the day shopping around town and, and looking for a little souvenir to bring home. Awesome. And where'd you go next? The next day was uh, Endicott Arm in Juneau. And when it sounds like uh, two ports, Juneau is actually the port and Endicott Arm is a fjord that you wake up to and you're, you're uh, traversing up into, and that heads up into Dawes Glacier. Uh, what we chose to do in Endicott Arm, Celebrity had a... Uh, an excursion called Endicott Arm Fjord and Glacier Explorer. And what they do is they bring another vessel up behind the ship. And at a certain point when the, the millennium could go no further, those of you that had purchased this excursion get off the millennium and you get onto this other, uh, other small ship. I, I would say it probably would hold maybe 50 to 75 guests. It was a two deck explorer type vessel and they take you from that point up to Dawes Glacier while the Millennium sails off to Juneau. Uh, 
the sailing up to the glacier was fantastic. They move in and out through the ice flow. And we were able to get that day within about a quarter of a mile. And again, we had clear blue skies. The glacial ice was fantastic. We were able to witness it calving off a couple of times. And then um, after, I would say, about a half an hour of being up in front of the glacier, they, they head back to meet up with the Millennium in Juneau. And along the way, um, they had a crew of, I believe it was five people, and they tell you about the topography you're looking at. They're, they're looking for animals. We were able to see bears and whales, and uh, this boat can deviate and get you up closer to these animals and have a good look at them. And, and several hours later, we met up with the Millennium in Juneau. Nice. Yeah. And then in Juneau, we were a little late actually getting to Juneau. So it was a little hectic because we had booked two excursions, one in the morning and then one in the afternoon. And we were doing a, a bike and brew tour. We were going on a nine mile bike ride to uh, Mendenhall Glacier. And then we were going to do a brewery tour and taste some of the local beers that uh, Juno has to offer. We got onto the millennium a little bit late um, and our excursion had left. And when we talked to the staff, one of the uh, security personnel literally whisked us off of the millennium and got us out to our excursion, which they went over and above what I've ever expected celebrity to do and got us to our excursion. And we had a wonderful bike ride again, beautiful weather. And, uh, the beers weren't so bad either, Doug. <laughs> awesome. So that sounds like you had an awesome day there in Juneau. Where, uh, where were you, where was your next stop? Yeah. So the next one, uh, would have been a uh, Skagway and that day we had booked the white pass, railway and uh it's real popular uh, excursion up there in the morning we rode that for i think it was a two and a half hour part of the rail uh bridge was out so they couldn't go as far as they usually do but it's a it's a real scenic train ride that you take up into the mountains and and learn about the gold rush and how skagway played into that and the you hear about how the klondike was so important to the miners that were coming up and, and uh, when they brought us back into, to a Skagway from the train from that, we got in onto a, uh, into a van for our second part of the day. And we did a two or three mile hike and we hiked up this river, learned all about the Klondike and the gold rush. And then we took a raft and we did some, rafting back into Skagway. And that took up the remainder of the afternoon. So we were very busy. Those Klondike tours are so amazing, right? Because those men and women who lived through that, they were pretty badass. Like they, they went through a lot. Cold winters. And yeah, it was just, it, yeah. They were survivors. I don't know if I could have done uh -uh. it. What I found really interesting is when they mentioned that by the time the news got to most people, mm -hmm. gold was gone before yeah. any of them got up there. And I thought, my goodness, they went through a lot for, for really nothing. And the people that really profited were the ones that had other businesses uh, that catered to the miners in their quest. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you hit any more ports or was that your final one? That was our final one. And then we had two uh, sea days back to Seattle. We sailed the inside passage again on the way back. Uh, and then, as I mentioned earlier in our conversation on that last sea day, we were actually fogged in. Uh, for the entire the entire day, but we kept busy on board. Um, 
on on the vessel and taking advantage of some of the things that we usually wouldn't do because you know we're off off ship most of the itineraries that we tend to book are very port intensive and this this was the most sea days we've ever had and was quite enjoyable actually just doing things on the ship that we're not used to doing any wildlife sightings the last uh, the second to the last day that first uh, the alaska inside passage uh, the amount of whales we saw was just mm-hmm. spectacular. The The entire day was spent sitting on our balcony or up top uh, because the weather was so nice, watching humpback whales for the entire day. I mean, if we saw one, we saw 50. It was fantastic. Yeah, they sure live free up there. Yeah, we've done some whale watching down in Mexico, but mm-hmm. this this was incredible. There was just the, the sheer volume of whales that we saw, especially that second to the last day was just amazing. It was just amazing. Yeah. So you make your way back to Seattle. Uh, any uh, any change in disembarkation, or was it the same f- disembarkation as you experienced past cruises with Celebrity? Yeah, it felt very much the same. The last night was a, a sad occasion for everybody. You know, you're putting your luggage out in the hall and you're getting ready. And then when we got up in the morning, um, they started calling numbers. And, and and again, it did not take very long because there's just the sheer volume of people wasn't there. Uh, the millennium holds, I believe it's 2,100 passengers. And I think we're about half of that. So disembarkation off the ship was very easy. Um, We hung around kind of as long as we could just enjoying the weather was really didn't have a lot planned in Seattle that day. Um, And just leisurely walked off, found our luggage and and made our way to the hotel. Very cool. Do you have any first time tips to offer anyone sailing celebrity in a startup environment? Uh, First time tips. I would say take advantage of the the uh, excursions that they offer. I think they do a very, very good job, both on this sailing into Alaska, especially the Endicott arm when they take you off the vessel and give you that opportunity. That was, it was not inexpensive. It was uh, like $225 a person, but worth it by every sense of the imagination. And then when we've sailed in the Caribbean on Celebrity, very much the same. I think they, they do very good job on their excursions. Um, I would say to expect some great service, a crew that's very attentive. Um, and that's what keeps bringing us back to celebrity. Pay attention to their websites. Uh, listen to your program. Uh, there's a lot to be learned from all of that. And it just all adds to the experience that you'll have on board. Since this was your first cruise to Alaska, looking back at the whole experience, what was the biggest highlight? Being there. Just getting back on board and sailing after the last uh, 18 months or so, wondering when we'd ever get to sail again like everybody else, yeah. and just stepping on board and that that wonderful feeling. And then, you know, for me, um, being able to get up to Alaska in my lifetime and see something that I'd always have wanted to do, uh, that dream came true. So that was just fantastic. Well, in closing, what are your final thoughts of Celebrity Millennium? Loved it. We're very familiar with the layout of the Millennium ship or the Millennium class ship, although this one happens to be called Millennium. We're very familiar having sailed on the summit numerous times. It's got a nice capacity that makes it easy to get around. There's enough entertainment and bars and restaurants to keep you busy on a seven night or even a 10 or 12 night sailing. Yeah, 
Actually, I forgot what your rest of your question was, Doug. I oh, apologize. no, <laughs> it was just your final, your final thoughts of the ship. You know, like, yeah, you, you about summed it up for me. So that's good. We'll close it out yeah. here. And I'll say we've been talking <laughs> with Kirk about his seven night sailing to Alaska from Seattle aboard Celebrity Millennium. It was the very first celebrity ship to sail Alaska in 2021. Kirk, thank you so much for uh, sharing this experience with us. And uh, welcome home, buddy. You're quite welcome, Doug. Glad I could help. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.